Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Marriott's on the move. Marriott's on the move. Marriott's on the Marriott's on the Marriott's on the move. If you are dreaming about moving to a new city to pursue the life of your dreams, this podcast is for you. Moving 18 times in 22 years to five of the top cities in America, I know it's not easy to make those decisions alone. So I help individuals develop the dream, the plan, and the move, even if we need to get scrappy to get you there. I'll be doing interviews, career and city spotlights, and sharing my crazy moving stories, tips, tricks, and scams to avoid. My Fred Framework will help you see just how attainable your dreams are. Now let's get moving. Well, I'm super excited to bring you this next guest. His name is Tommy Choi, and in 2007, he co-founded the Weinberg Choi Residential Team. In 2017, he opened up his own Keller Williams brokerage firm. The team has sold over 1,000 properties with over $500 million in sales, so they know a little bit something about real estate, which puts them in the top 1% of the Chicago Association of Realtors, which is super impressive. Tommy served as the 135th president of the Chicago Association of Realtors and the first Korean-American president in the 135 years of the association, which is awesome. He was in Crane's 40 Under 40. He was the Chicago Realtor of the Year in 2020. But I met Tommy in 2003 when I recruited him to the company that we both mutually worked at for a few years. And I can't wait to hear more about what you've been doing in the last 20 years because I know a couple things. I know you love real estate. I know you have a passion for serving people and you're loving public speaking. So welcome to the show, Tommy. Thanks for having me. And thanks for reading all that boring bio stuff. You could have just been like, Google, Google him. There's this thing called Google. Google, Get on LinkedIn. First name, last name. (laughs) By the way, our first social event was at a uh, bar in Peoria at Bradley University called The Lucky Lady. And I believe you you bought me buffalo wings and tater tots and uh, just a great, Ooh. great bar. Me, me along with 10 other like college uh, recruits. But oh, yeah. What a serendipitous full circle moment. <laughs> yeah, we got you all liquored up, ready to go. And then we had the interview the next day. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's a great test. Great test for real life, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's that, that's exactly what we did for the first four years of uh, our time at, at our company, right? So lots of fun times there. But I was so excited to have you on board. This, none of this surprises me because you were always a go-getter. This is definitely something that I've been like looking for the last couple of days since we reconnected because we reconnected through a mutual friend, um, yep. Jeff, that, we both still, that I still work with. So it's such a circle moment like you said like such a small world he was like oh yeah you should talk to my friend tommy he's all into real estate he's great at it he's helped us uh, buy and sell a home and here we are I was like wait i know that guy <laughs> so fun well thanks for having me i want to hear the story so how did you land in because you guys are in lincoln park right that's where your broker's firm is so how did you land in chicago so i mean i landed here 
I had nothing to do with it. I guess I got to thank my parents, right? <laughs> so they, I'm first generation, not just Chicagoan, but, but American. My parents, my family, they immigrated here to the north side of the city, what's now considered the North Center neighborhood. Uh, back then it wasn't though, oh. on the corner of Lincoln and Berteau in the 70s. So they came from South Korea. My grandfather was the first to come. He set up shop. Three months later, my dad, who's the oldest, his oldest son, uh, and then my mom, my grandma, aunts, uncles, everyone else came. So Chicago was, I don't know why, but they, you know, when I asked my grandpa this back in the day, he said it was just the most opportunity. And when it came to diversity, there was just a lot of immigrants. It was like a melting pot, as we say at the time and still is today, which is one of my favorite things about the city. So they just felt it was a great place. and. I'm still here. You fall in love with the skyline and you can't leave it. I mean, I, I exactly. love the city too. I was born and raised there too. So, but a lot of people don't know that Chicago is kind of mixed. It's got a ton of different tiny little, they're almost like tiny little suburban areas within the city. And there's, I mean, how many are there? I mean, officially there's 77 neighborhoods that make up Chicago, but <laughs> you know, Chicago's you, you've lived here like people love repping their neighborhoods and then when a neighborhood's been over they'll find a segment within the neighborhood yeah. and be like oh yeah West Bucktown that's like where I'm from yep. you know you're like okay it's just Bucktown you know but <laughs> yeah you never just say I'm in Bucktown it's always like well around the corner of right so everybody has to give like a street just to like tell you exactly where they are 100 so, percent. it's so that. funny I love that yeah I mean I I know you from corporate America, right? So how did you transition from corporate America to real estate and then to speaking on public stages? Because you do like 40, 50 speeches a year, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. So what I would say is I was seeking out happiness, okay? And here, you know, I'll start by saying, one, right? Every What I love about this idea of success, it's not monolithic, right? It's defined differently for everyone. And I think commonality for the majority of the youth, especially if you're coming out of college or or even if you're coming straight out of high school into the workforce, I think a lot of us at that time and that age, we measure and define success maybe by what our W-2 looks like at the end of the year. And I was guilty of that out of college. And you said, hey... If you do X, Y, and Z in three years, you're on track to make a six-figure income at CDW, right? And I did that. I was making like 110 Mm -hmm. cold calls, stayed in local government accounts, just stayed on task, time over task for three years. I I was making like $110,000. I bought a condo in Lakeview. Wow. I was like, okay, I did it. But I just wasn't happy, right? And it wasn't anything to do with the company, um, it was just what I was doing. I just wasn't feeling as fulfilled, right? Yeah. So for me, I had this moment where I was at this the corporate crossroads where I was just like, you know what? I want to find what makes me happy because I thought, right, making like a six-figure income was going to be that. And it wasn't that for me. Mm -hmm. And so going back to my grandpa coming here, right? Like many immigrants, they come out here seeking out better opportunity, right? More opportunity. Right. And that was the case for him as well, my family. However, for my grandfather specifically, right, there was a big chunk of that opportunity he sought after 
that was specifically tied to home ownership. And it wasn't from the practical sense of just owning the roof that's over your head. For him, it was solely pride, right? He wanted to put his stake in the ground Mm -hmm. and be able to say, hey, this piece of Chicago, this piece of America was his because he worked his butt off to achieve that home ownership dream, right? The American dream. Yeah. And so totally. As a young kid, I can remember as early as like being like in first grade, my grandpa would always remind me of this. He'd say like, hey, don't get it twisted. Just because you were born here, it doesn't mean homeownership is a guarantee for you, right? Right. It's a privilege. You have to work hard to achieve it, work even harder to maintain it. I thought my grandpa was just old and senile and just a weirdo, right? I'm like, what? I'm like, okay, weirdo. Like... Thanks. I don't even know what this means, right? Okay. I'm not worried about home ownership right now. But hindsight, right? Our words, right? That's what we put out into the universe are little seeds, right? That get planted. That's why we have to be so intentional and so purposeful on the words we choose to put out there. Cause right, we can manifest what we put out there. Totally. And for that. me, it was when I was at that corporate crossroads. Those seeds that my grandpa had planted that I just thought was gibberish started to sprout, right? I had just bought that condo Mm -hmm. in Lakeview. I was really just fascinated with that whole process. And all of a sudden, the spotlight was being shined on this idea of residential real estate. My roommate at the time, who is the Weinberg and Weinberg and Choi, my best friend, he was working for a developer Mm -hmm. in the suburbs. He was working for a national home builder doing the same. But he had to follow and play by the rules of what the developer said. He couldn't think creatively to help work out deals to see these people who are coming in wanting home ownership and helping them achieve it, right? Yeah. So he wanted to be on his own and be able to structure creatively to help people. And so that's how we kind of came about into forming Weinberg Troy Residential and being in that space. So for me, being able to service people every year, our team and in their dreams of home ownership, it's that much deeper and fulfilling to me because it's helping me honor right my grandfather's legacy. So it really, it yeah. really, when you talk about not to get all Simon Sinek, right? But that's a huge why that drives this where I'm truly happy every day, right? Yeah. Right. And so then the whole speaking thing, it happened from just filling a void that I saw You know, I was at a conference. I'm a conference nerd and information junkie, super learning based, always wanting to get better. Me too. And so I was at a conference and I like to go early, try and snag a first row, second row, right? Seat up front, take notes. That's prime real estate. It's prime real estate. I also have bad vision. I refuse to wear glasses. So like I'm always the guy that's squinting or zooming in on the slides and taking a photo to to understand what what's actually being said so i'm like i got i need front row so this conference i'm front row and there's another gentleman there so i'm like you know what it's just us two like the like entry music wasn't even playing it was like that early and so i go introduce myself guy's name is alex and he was in the industry for just over two years and you know, I asked him, like, how's things going? And he, he looked at me and was just like, terrible. Like, I, I've only closed a handful of deals. He was financially struggling, right? And 
he had told me like, Hey, I'm here because I'm giving myself six months, six month runway to turn things around. And if I don't, I'm going to go back to my old job. Right. And in conversation, I'm asking, well, did you like what you did and what you came from? He's like, no, I was miserable. So in my head, I couldn't even fathom this guy is going to revert back to something that wasn't like bringing him joy. Right. Right. And he had told me how he had borrowed a thousand bucks from his sister, pay for a flight to get to the conference, pay the, the fee to get here. And I'm like, holy crap, I was rooting for this guy, right? Right. I'm number one fan of Alex. I want to see him turn around, succeed. And I'm just like, okay, best of luck, man. Yeah. Event starts, keynote speaker comes out, and this guy comes out and he's holding a telephone book. Okay. This is like 2013, 14, whatever. Right. The year starts with the two, a phone book yeah. is irrelevant. But this guy comes out walking with a phone book. Do they make them anymore? I hope not. I don't even know if they make them anymore. What a waste of paper and resources if they do, <laughs> right? So this guy comes out carrying a telephone book with so much pride. And he's just like, this book right here will make you a million dollars. And he's talking about how the businesses that are listing this book, their clients are your clients and... Yada, 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 which like, listen, at the end of the day, yeah, true, but no one's calling right. people in the phone book. And so right. I'm like, I'm just like totally turned off. I'm actually kind of pissed <laughs> off that I paid money to go to this thing. Right. And I turned to the right thinking, okay, I'm going to see Alex feeling the same way and probably, you know, middle fingers up at the stage. Yeah. And this guy's taking notes, uh. like frivolously, just like nonstop. And I'm thinking like, man, this dude on stage who probably has not sold. Actually, I looked up his bio. That's how like, just like angry I was. He hadn't sold in like 30 years at that point. But he's the keynote speaker (laughs) sharing how to have a successful sales career in real estate with a phone book. And so that flight home, I just couldn't stop thinking about this guy. And I just said, hey... If not that I have all the answers here, but you know what? At least if I can find a stage where I can be able to share, I'll be sharing stuff that is relevant that I'm doing today and I can share my results, right? And at least if someone walks away with just one piece and can turn things around, then great, right? I just want to make sure for the Alex's in the world, like telephone book guys, like irrelevant, right? (laughs) Telephone book guys. That's what really pushed me and I was finding stages here and there. And now, you know, I get to do these keynotes. But it's once again, for me, though, the passion in it, it's not something like I don't want to be this like professional speaker, right? For me, right? it's just, it's a great creative outlet. It's an awesome high I get when I get off stage. Yeah, I get to help people. I have a drawer full of handwritten notes from people that have come and and seen successes, right? So for me on a bad day, I get to pop one of those open and it turns my resets by compass, right? And so for me, and it holds myself accountable because I never want to be a phony, right? So if I'm talking about something and I'm not doing the best at it in my day-to-day, I make sure that I do that when I get back to the office. So it's been a fun ride and it's really cool experiences from it, but it's really helped they say the best class you can take is the one you teach, right? So it really, yeah, it really has helped me selfishly get better as a person as well. Absolutely. 
Oh, that's awesome. Uh, let's take a break for our sponsors. Have you heard of Monate or Modern Nature? I hadn't either before my friend Monica was raving about their skincare products that she's obsessed with. I took their hair quiz to find out which product line would be best for me since I just happened to be looking for new shampoo and conditioner, and I signed up for their VIP package that got me a little bit of everything to try out. Turns out they are the first anti-aging hair care line in the world, which I didn't even know was a thing. And their products are gluten-free, vegan, and Leaping Bunny certified, which means they're never tested on animals. Now I'm obsessed with their rich formulations that feature botanical extracts, essential oils, and other naturally based ingredients. And I want to share those products with you. I'll put the link in the show notes, or you can hit the faves page on my website. It's safe, EU approved, and clinically tested by third parties. So essentially, robustness approved. Now back to the show. Oh my gosh, that's an awesome story. And to have an Alex as your why, and even just to be able to like serve the people that helped you, because I'm sure like you probably had a ton of mentors when you were coming into the real estate market. Well, let's take a step back a little bit. So when you were sitting at your corporate desk, did you have a ton of money in the bank? Did you like, were you a big saver? Like, did you plan this out? Or one day you were just like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. And I got to go and I'll figure it out. Like, what? tell me what that transition, like if you, Tommy of 20, what, seven or 28 years old, like what was going through your head to make that leap? Because a lot of the people that will be listening to the show are going to take a leap in some form or fashion. It's either moving to a different city that they don't know or changing careers and going to a new city because of that. So like, what was your thought process? What was terrifying? What was so exciting? Like, where were you mentally for that? That's such a great question. And what I love about that is because especially in 2023, where our phones have replaced the television and all this content's consumed you know, on social media platforms. There's this golden thread that I feel like is being sewn throughout of this hustle mentality and just risk it all, right? Yeah, yellow. I get it. It sounds cool, right? But also I always like tell people because there's people like, oh, I just, I don't have the enemy, so I must not be cut off to be that kind of success, which is BS in my opinion, right? Because I think there's your risk tolerance is something that's really important. And I think you have to really honor that and then figure out a plan, right? Around that. And for me, right, I was a little bit more risk adverse. However, I wanted to be smart about it, right? So for me, I always, I called, it was so we officially launched June 1st, 2007, right? But we laid the groundwork six months prior to that. And so oh, okay. six months prior, I call it, I was my nine to five was CDW and my five to nine was real estate, right? So any time off, yeah, I was just juggling both, right? And that's where for me, yeah, it wasn't like grueling or annoying or whatever, because I was so passionate about it and doing this. And so right. I was not a good saver. I had bought this condo and I was making, you know, a hundred, <laughs> but I had like $0 <laughs> saved because I was an idiot, right? I was paying for dollar beers at Kincaid's every <laughs> Wednesday and like going to Vegas three times. Great bar, right? Of course, right. karaoke in the back. So I was doing like that, but it w I have zero regret because I just did my 20s and whatever. So 
I had a little to none saved away. So that's part of the runway, right? And so for me, we had to have be calculated on our risk. And my business partner, Josh, was the same way. So we said, hey, let's set a goal to figure out how much from a business entity, because we bootstrapped our company, right? We weren't trying to get investor money or, or taking business loans or whatnot. Right. So we tried to calculate what our our, our uh, costs would be, right? Moving forward, which were very low, right? And figure out how much runway can we give ourselves. So we said, let's give ourselves six months. If no income comes in, cool, we still can be able to pay ourselves, pay you know our monthly bills and whatnot, and and still go. So. It was that, a lot of that happening. And then we got to the point where we hit these goals and we were hitting our checkpoints. So we knew then, you know, June 1, it's time now to really make that leap of faith. Get the momentum. Yeah. And you know what it is, you know, Mary, what I would say is it's not so much taking a leap of faith. It was more so betting on ourselves. Yeah. Right. It's two different things because leap of faith feels like I'm just going to jump and hope I land. Right. Right. Betting on yourself is a sure thing because you know you. Right. Yeah. So for us, I knew me, I knew Josh, and I would bet on us 10 out of 10 times all day long. Right. So I knew it was and just it a matter off. of us and it paid off. Right. And so I think that's the bigger thing when it comes to doing something new is just making sure you're betting on yourself on this, right? And so for us, yeah. it took that six months and we were off and running. Now, I wish someone would have told me that uh, later in the year, Wall Street would have collapsed and the housing market nationally <laughs> would have crashed. But that's okay, oh, right? Because yeah. you don't know what you don't know. And for us, that was the greatest blessing to go through that recession because we really Early. cut our teeth and, and, and really learned a lot as we went along. Yeah. Well, so if somebody's working, well, first of all, how did you, what do you have to do to become a real estate agent? First of all, great question. So you have to take pre licensing courses, and I believe it's about 90 hours classroom work. Then you uh, have to pass national exam and then a state exam. So whatever state you're in obviously has proprietary exam as well. And then things have changed, but today, once you're licensed, then you have to find a broker or brokerage to hang your license under. And so okay. that's the thing. It can take you know, as long as a week, right? If you have the time to take all the courses and then get tested. Or, you know, for me, it took almost three to four months because I was just doing it on the weekends. Right. Studying for the exams and whatnot. But you can kind of go yeah. uh, as you please on it, which that's the thing. The, the ongoing joke is like, you know, even your Uber driver has a real estate license. It's not really that <laughs> challenging to get, but it's once you get it, a lot of people don't think about step two. So they think step okay. one got it, big sigh of relief. Then it's like, okay, now what do I do? Right. And so that's where right. I think starting for us, starting with the end in mind and then reverse engineering, okay, how much do we need to put away? How much personally do we need to have saved away? All that stuff is really important to make sure that you're giving yourself enough time to succeed. Yeah. Well, and I know there's a lot of things, like somebody that was in Indiana couldn't use you because your license is in Illinois unless you have an Indiana license, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to get licensed in every single state. 
So if somebody's working with a real estate agent for the first time, very early on, I learned that they do both. They can do leasing typically and selling. But like if somebody's never worked with a real estate agent ever, right? They're the first time coming out or finding an apartment or buying a condo. There are a lot of things that you as a real estate agent or broker cannot tell that client. And I think it's important for a lot of people who are first-time homebuyers or first-time leasing an apartment that they need to know. So can you tell us in a little bit about that? Because it's so interesting. And I know you have a huge passion around that. Totally. That's such a great question because it all is derived around fair housing laws, right? And it's the reason being is to make sure that, right, one, right, biases don't kick in, right? And two, that Mm -hmm. everyone has an even level playing field. The other piece is, right, my perspective will be completely different than your perspective, right? So the main things typically are crime is always the number one thing, right? Oh, it's just a safe place, right? Uh, schools also right. are another thing that's a big no-no. R- religious facilities, right? Or just like lo- geographically people wanting to know based on like religious beliefs and whatnot. And then also economic levels, right? Is this like a really, you know, well-to-do, like, you know, neighborhood or whatnot? One, first of all, all that information, if it's really important to you, you can find it on this thing called the internet, Right everything's at there. Mm-hmm. This is US census data, right? Yeah. So it's all there. Yeah. But once again, I'll give you an example for schools. Schools is something that always comes up like, I want to go to a good school, right? What I can talk on is based on measurements and facts that in our case in Chicago, the Chicago Public School CPS district puts out there, right? They have yeah. levels based on test scoring that they do ranking. So I can tell you, yeah, you know, the, my daughter's school where they go to Blaine is a one plus school, which is the highest ranking you can get, right? So right. according to those criteria that CPS uses, they would deem this a good school, right? But that doesn't mean right. a one rated school is, is not good, right? So it's all about right. perspective. So I understand why someone would ask that, especially parents. God bless the parents that come on showings too. Love them. <laughs> right. You know, they I get it. They want their kid to be in a safe neighborhood or a good school district or whatnot. But a lot of that stuff, it's just not fair and right for us yeah. to be able to share that stuff. So it's to protect everyone's interests. Sure. Yeah, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how like if somebody is like in their mid 20s early 30s or something kind of like what what you should be looking for that maybe they don't think of so did you know that a bottle of wine can have up to 300 chemicals in it like mega purple for instance which makes the wine look a little bit more full-bodied but also turns your teeth and tongue purple and they can add up to 16 grams of sugar or sweetener concentrates to that same bottle check the label of the wine you're drinking oh wait You can't. They don't have to put it on there. You might be ingesting synthetic pesticides and not even know it. Join my Scout and Cellar Wine Club and taste the difference that the clean crafted commitment that 23 of our vintners around the world make to you ships straight to your home. To learn more, I'll put the link in the show notes or go to scoutandcellar.com forward slash Marriott's on the move. Now back to the show. So if somebody's coming, you know, moving to Chicago for the first time, they don't know the city, they're going to do what I call a city proof of concept, come and stay for a couple of weeks, check out the neighborhoods, all that stuff. 
what should they be looking for outside of just like how they feel in the neighborhood? Like what are things that you as a real estate agent look for that maybe people don't think of when they're walking around a neighborhood? First of all, city proof of concept is freaking genius. I love that. I love that. I love that. (laughs) We need neighborhood proof of concept in in Chicago here. Mm -hmm. Exactly. What I would say is this, right? What is your lifestyle? What are the things that you enjoy doing? I would really factor that into where you want to be. I would always, I always tell people that relocate here, you know, first question is like, hey, do you know anyone here? Right? Do you have friends or family? Yeah, great because question. if they do, that's such a great resource because if it's a friend and you actually like the person, you're probably going to spend time with them. You may have same interests. Ask them, right? Where, where they hang out, where they like to go out to eat. Right. A lot of, there's a lot of times where I ask that question, they go, actually, I know absolutely no one and I'm absolutely terrified. Yeah. I'm coming here, right? No worries at all. Usually what I ask is like, what's the reason for coming? And a lot of the times it is work-related, right? So natural thing we always like to do is how important is it that you're close to work? You know, maybe it's a hybrid model, maybe you're full-time home. But if it's, yeah, and I I go into the office a lot, right? Then that could be, is that important to you, your commute, right? So it's it's ways to restart thinking through the process of what your everyday life would look like. Sure to try and create a hack around, okay, maybe this is how you can narrow it down. But I think that a lot of the times, being able to spend time around a lot of the neighborhoods that we have, just getting, even like going to brunch in a neighborhood, you can get a really good vibe of like what that neighborhood's all about. And I think that kind of helps you feel whether that's home or not. So just being able to take time. I will say a lot of our relocation clients that our team works with a lot of times they come in and they say, hey, we're coming in. We're here for the weekend and our goal is Sunday. We're going to leave writing an offer on a place. And we tell them, hey, if you feel that strongly about it, of course, we're here to help service you. But we recommend that you don't do that and come back again. Why? Because we want them to really get a good idea of where they're going to live. And so for us, a lot of the time, we give neighborhood guides out to give them idea of like, hey, here's oh, awesome. here's the, the commercial retail stores that are here. Here's what the restaurants look like. Here's what the culture of the city looks like here. Museums, right? Theaters, things like that. Because yeah. then that really helps give them an idea of what that looks like based on their interests. We can start to whittle down where they want to focus. But for me, it's so important that they really get a sense of like, okay, this is the neighborhood I'm really getting into. This is where I want to be. We can find a home for you within that. It's harder to just find that match of where you want to live. Yeah, I think a lot of times too, I mean, as somebody that now owns a house, sometimes it's really hard to go backwards and just rent for a year. But I will tell you, when I moved to Charlotte, there were a couple things at play. Like I didn't, I looked, I think at 35 or 40 different houses. And by the time I walked out of that house, there were already five offers on it that were 50 grand over asking. It was so frustrating because a lot of people were waiving inspections, waiving appraisals. And it was just me. I had my down payment. I had my, what I could afford based on the calculations and what I wanted to spend in my mortgage. So there was a lot of things that I looked at and I, I just couldn't pull the trigger. And I had to take a step back and say, okay, that's okay. Right. So I, I went to renting. I took a lot of my stuff because I came from a three bedroom house that had a pool basement. 
And I decided to rent. I rented a townhouse and it was so nice that, I mean, my, my closet was full of like the wired closet things. It was an awful closet. But at one point in time that broke and it, everything came crashing down and it was a brand new townhouse, right? There was nobody that lived in it before me. So it was literally all my stuff that brought it down. But at the same time, I literally called my landlord and I was like, Hey, guess what happened? I just, my whole closet exploded. Come send somebody. And for the first time in like five years, it was such a nice relief that I didn't have to figure out who to call, what to do, you know? So, but, but that's the thing is that like, if you, if you've been owning, it's almost like you feel like you have to own again. And sometimes taking a step back and saying like, well, why don't I rent? And then if I don't have the time to do a city POC, which, you know, for those who don't know what that is, it's going and spending a week or two in that city, finding different neighborhoods, renting a couple different Airbnbs to try out where, where there are. Because if you go for a weekend, you're not going to find out what the traffic patterns are or some things that you might want to, like how busy the subway is or how busy, what well, we call it the L in Chicago. But which is funny because when I was in New York City, it took me, I mean, six months probably to stop calling the subway the L. And then when I got back to Chicago, I had to revert back to the L and I kept calling it the subway. And everyone's like, subway? What? Because everybody calls it the L. So, but it, it's kind of that mind shift. Like, okay, if I'm really looking at the bigger picture, because the houses that I was looking at, I was looking all on the south side of Charlotte. And I ended up buying on the west side because I love it over here. It's quiet. There's not a ton of traffic. You know, I can get to the places that I need to get to rather easily. But where I was looking was kind of all I knew because I had, I had visited a couple of times and that was it. So I think it's a great piece of advice to like take your time because buying a home is a huge investment because it's not, I mean, you, when you're buying, I know that you, you kind of get all the advantages, right? The person selling the house has to pay the commission to the real estate agencies and they pay the taxes in arrears. Whereas when you're selling, if you find out you're not in the right place or you hate that neighborhood and want to move, now you have to pay all that out if you want to sell the house. So it becomes much bigger of a mistake if you buy in the wrong place, right? Totally. I think there's like there's this negative stigma about being a renter and renting. And I always look at, yes, of course, like long-term, you want to not pay your landlord and you want to build equity and pay off your principal, right? And all that. But right. but from a short-term standpoint, I was looking at renting as like insurance, right? Because you're basically buying yourself time and you can't put a price on that to be able to really right. decide where you're going to live. Because at the end of the day, it's like your home and the property, right? At It's kind of like a commodity, right? So it's not you're kind of dating that, but once you've closed on the property, right, you're almost married to the neighborhood you're in, right? So you have to get yeah. out of the relationship with your home to move to a different <laughs> neighborhood and whatnot. So it's really important. So for, for us, we're always advising, especially if it's early in on the process, we ask that, hey, I don't know if it's too late on this, but in your reload package, do you can you still negotiate three months, 90 days of corporate housing or some sort of right. per diem that you can use to be in an Airbnb for 90 days. Because for us, we found after 90 days living in the city, you'll get a good idea of where you'd want to be. And 90 days isn't that long. You can That goes by you know, right. in a flash. So that's where we see a lot of success in those relocation deals where they are able to do that or they already have that. 
And then they feel a lot more confident when they're making those decisions to uh, write an offer on their home. Yeah, I always say if it's not a hell yes, it's a no, right? Because yes, you put this like on, it's almost like a virtual deadline that you put yourself. Like I've got a, a flight on Sunday at 3 p.m. and I've got to find something before then. And it's like, why? Right? Like you, you physically have to live in that place for the next how many years? Because you take some hits if you fell before two years. Isn't that right? It's been a while yeah. since I've... You if, if there's you get a capital gains hit if there's some appreciation okay yeah over that got it but yeah I mean the it's tough to because in this day and age right you can pretty much go house shopping virtually the photos Matterport all the video that can be taken and whatnot so I think a lot of people we speak with especially that are like oh yeah even like coming just to rent and relocate but plan is to buy and whatnot. They'll be just searching based on photos. And I think that's dangerous because a yeah. place can look really cool and really sexy. <laughs> but like be like photographers out there. Totally. And it can be like 30 <laughs> minutes west of the city. And you're just like, no, like you have to physically be here. That's why I love the the POC idea that you have. Makes so much sense. I mean, I feel like there's these undue pressures that we put ourselves under when it comes down to it. We physically have to live there and 90 days doesn't seem like that long when you're finding the right place, but 90 days seems like a terribly long time when you're in the wrong place. So yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. Well, I have so enjoyed this conversation. I'm sure we're going to have more in the future because there's a ton more that we can talk about, but I genuinely loved reconnecting with you. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. It was such a blast. Yeah. How can people find you? Best way is Instagram. That's where I'm very active on. It's my first name, middle name, last name. So Tommy, T-O-M-M-Y, middle name, Jew, J-O-O, last name, Choi, C-H-O-I. Perfect. And I'll put it in the show notes too, so people can reach out to you and ask any questions. So thank you so much for being here, Tommy. It was awesome to reconnect. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. Woohoo! Well, I could go on forever and ever about moving you closer to your dreams, but... I should probably save some thoughts for the next episode. A big thanks goes out to you for making time for me today. In making time for me, you are making time for future you, and we are both grateful. Thank you also to my podcast editor, Brendan Newsom, and my brother, Edward, who helps me with everything from my pics and social to keeping me sane. If you want to keep in touch, jump on my website, marriottsonthemove.com, or follow me on Insta or LinkedIn, where I also have a page for Marriott's on the Move, like I do on Facebook. Until next time, keep moving towards your dreams. Bye for now. Marriott's on the move. What? Marriott's on the move. Again? Marriott's on the, Marriott's on the, Marriott's on the move.